Greetings and welcome on board WKOK Sunrise. I'm Mark Lawrence. I'm so glad today we're able to continue our discussions about the history of Northumberland. And uh, we are going to talk to a woman that is primarily going to be able to tell us about schools and barns and agriculture and maybe how some of the properties changed hands that involved where the railroad is in Northumberland these days. She'll tell us about one particular character she'll be portraying at Northumberland's upcoming uh, 250 birthday, and that's Elizabeth Lesher, a person who was, uh, well, quite an influence in Northumberland and Point Township, so we'll talk about that. Glenda Strauss is here, resident of Point Township, been a farmer for almost 60 years, and before that was just a good student, but has been farming ever since, and knows how to run a tractor, and she's also done a lot of work boning up on agriculture history, and made sure that she uh, collected things that relates to history. So, Glenda, thank you so much for coming in. You're welcome. I really do appreciate it. I've seen your display of things from barns. If uh, you will have some of that display set up. Yes, I will. Around 1996, I realized how many barns in Point Township had either fallen down or gone to such disrepair. And I started documenting, taking pictures of them all. And I still am finding barns. There was over 120 barns in Point Township at one time. We're down to probably around 20. And I've since been able to collect pictures that I didn't have and pictures of the barns that used to be there, like the Cap Barn that was moved from the railroad yards from 147 to Route 11 and the Mertz house and barn and a few others that had been moved. And I found it really interesting because with that I can tie in, if I portray Elizabeth Mertz Lesher, the Mertzes and how they dealt with being told by the railroad that they had to move or they'd burn their barn and the cap barn that had to be moved and that was the barn that housed the mules and the horses for the stagecoach and the canals and whatnot and the Hilbish barn and house and I don't know how many others because they discovered that the railroad discovered that they had nice flat land to build the railroad yards in and um, they just took over that land and built the fourth or fifth biggest railroad yards in Pennsylvania. And one of the biggest barns in Pennsylvania was moved in order to make room for yes, the railroad. Yes, it was the biggest barn in Pennsylvania, and it was moved out a little beyond the Legion. It was the Barnhart farm at the time, and of course Route 11 wasn't there. It was on the old Danville Highway, and that barn fell down in 1971. We are talking to Glenda Strauss. She is going to be having a display of Point Township Barns and more on Saturday and Sunday at the Second Street Community Center in the Savage Room. And this is uh, June 4th and 5th. We're talking about that afternoon. She'll tell us about uh, Glenda, or she'll tell us about Elizabeth Merch Letcher, Letcher, one woman who was a school teacher back in the day. So she'll be talking about that. And then on Sunday at 12:30, she'll have a PowerPoint presentation about. Packer Island. So a lot of folks uh, have boned up on things that are that went on in Sunbury and in Northumberland, but she's going to glue together some of the pieces that relate to Packer Island, too. Of course, we know it has looked much different. Probably about every 50 years seems to have gone through an evolution. At one point, it was one big farm. We know that for yes, sure. Yes, okay. and Packer had a racetrack at the bottom end of the farm, and there's pictures of that. And the trolley, of course, went across, and that little wide place you see to the right as you go to Sunbury, that's where they park the trolleys. That's why those houses are back 
closer to central builders. Because they had the the trolleys out front. Yeah. All right. Well, fabulous. And I just think we're going to, and we're going to learn a lot more about Packer yeah. Island. And and the trolley was named the trolley because of the little, little wheel on top that rode the rail. And it got its name in Sunbury. So it's, <laughs> there's so many like little quirky things that you learn that are, I don't know, I just find them interesting parts of history well, or the we, dates you forget. <laughs> well, we talked about this with Hope Webster Cop. We really just found out that uh, what a critical confluence the, the river was and, and the roads and the trails and the railroads and just how pivotally important Sunbury and Northumberland and Point Township and Packer yes. Island were. Yes. And Northumberland was actually more important than Sunbury was in the beginning because of the packet boats and the canals and the railroad conjunct where where it meant there at the junction. And I think that's why Northumberland was considered for the capital at one time. And they were going contemplating putting the building up where C.W. Rice was. I mean, that was long ago. And it was also considered for the county seat before Sunbury. Because And actually, at one point, back in the heyday, there were more people that lived in Northumberland than Sunbury at one point. Well, and I think in, to this day in Northumberland, you know where some of the historic houses are. You know where the Cap House was? Where yes. was that? It was at the bottom of 10th Street, that house that sits right on the highway with the little windows up in the top. And then two of the Cap sisters built the house that became the parsonage for the Catholic Church. Other historical homes that still exist. You mentioned that the home that where Suncom is now not on yes, that in, was in town, but out on Route right, 147. Right, the Mertz House and Barn were below 16th Street. And when the railroad told them that they had to sell their farm, their house was moved, and I have a picture of it on logs being pulled 500 feet up and 50 feet higher, and it became the Cherry Tree Inn, and then the VFW, and now Suncom. And the barn was taken back to Jimmy Coles and put on as part of their straw shed. People didn't waste things back then. They would tear them apart and rebuild them someplace else or tow them with teams of horses. And I know the farmers did that an awful lot because the the house that my son owns on the corner of Ridge Road was brought back there when Route 11 was widened and and made bigger. and you can still see where the well was there. We're digging back into this history. Sorry to, sorry to interrupt there. I know <laughs> see you have another forward. thought. But uh, to stay uh, directed on Elizabeth Lesher, tell me more about her. Elizabeth Murch, she started yes. out as... Yes, and she taught in three... She started out as Elizabeth Mertz. And when she married Harold, and I think before, because I find her name in the Northumberland High School book, as Elizabeth Mertz and then as Elizabeth Lesher. While still in high school? No, she actually went to four years of Bloomsburg Normal School at the time. Before that, and maybe even at that time, teachers only had to have a two-year degree. And even before that, they only had to take a test to teach. And two of the teachers in Point Township were 16 and 17 years old. One at Spruce Hollow was only 17. Okay, so Elizabeth goes to four years of college, and she's ready to teach. Yes, she taught at three different one-room schoolhouses. And um, then she married Harold Lesher. And I don't know how long she kept teaching after she married Harold, but... He took over his father's large farm on Strawbridge Road, 
and um, they put up those Osage orange trees that are along Strawbridge. They were meant to be hedges with thorns in them to keep the sheep in. So those trees are over 100 years old, and they drop those green, knobby fruit on... Yeah. Fruit. Yeah. That uh, hedge apples that you smash... But I'm told that if you take them home, they'll keep your insects out of your house. But those trees are still there, so they're kind of historical, and they don't grow here. They're not native to Pennsylvania. So they brought them in from somewhere else. Okay, so uh, she is uh, teaching in one-room schoolhouses, and Mm -hmm. Point Township at one point had six one-room schoolhouses, you tell me. Yes. All of which are still in existence. They're all private residences now. The one in town um, was actually built to accommodate the railroad, the people that were working on the railroad's children because there wasn't enough room, of course, and a lot of them were Italians. And so we had the Italian influence that came in around that time. And, And they also brought in a man, a doctor, to help with treating the railroad workers, and his name was Dr. C.W. Rice. Oh, okay, when the rest is history. Yes. Well, and uh, the steel school, sort of tell me, how, how do we go from having a bunch of one-room schoolhouses all over to walk us through the early parts of consolidation? Because in the 1920s, consolidation actually started. They wanted them to consolidate. Well, at the time we had like, before that they had to walk to school. There was a law that they had to be within four to five miles apart. And that's why you'll see the spacing of the one-room schools in the country. And so that they only had to walk like two and a half miles to school one way. You know, rain, sleet, snow, or hail. Right. (laughs) And then we came into cars and buses and so forth. And they could consolidate the schools and close some of them. And slowly over a period of time just kept... And it became the law to consolidate. So they'd have uniform teaching for the children and because of the... And Point Township had six schools but never did have a high school. A no. A consolidated high school of no, any kind. They, and it's funny because Point Township School District and Northumberland School District were two separate entities. They went to eighth grade in the Point Township schools, and then they had to take a test to go to high school. And in the meantime, Point Township School District had to pay tuition for every student that passed its test and went to high school. And uh, they consolidated in, I think I told you, 1951. They uh, agreed, and they changed the name to Priestley School District. For two years, the kids graduated from Priestley Joint High School. And dear yearbooks actually say that on the covers, Priestley Joint High School. <laughs> Priestley Joint. Yes. All right, Priestley so that high Joint. school existed for a short time, and then what happened to it? They decided that was kind of an awkward name, or it wasn't joint anymore, well, it was just it this just new was district. too much of a mix-up, and, and they went back to Northumberland High School. And it became Northumberland, mm-hmm. and then it was still Northumberland yeah. High School. Now, when do we start to see the Steele School and the Second Street School start to put, come into this mix? Um, that was 1912, the Steele School, to 1978, and it was raised in 1996, torn down. And Second and Street School? Actually, the first high school was built there in 1872. And then they built a new school in 1922, built C.W. Rice in 1938, 
and then got rid of C.W. Rice at, at some point in favor, yeah. in favor, in favor <laughs> yeah, of the all, new school. All the schools are gone in Northumberland that were original, except a little red school that I'm going to be speaking in front of. And the Market House School that sat down on the park, and they gathered in the second floor of that Market House to... Um, have school, but they also had dances up there and shows and and different things. And that house was moved down to Water Street, and it was gray, grayish blue, and now it has insulation on the front. But that house is tons old. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah, it looks old. You can tell yeah, by looking at yeah. it. The insulation gives it away which one you're talking about. Uh-huh. And what happened to the one-room school that was in Nori? That was the two-story school that they built for the railroad kids. Let's talk about agriculture, all these barns and all these farms and all these dairies. And uh, Point Township is alive with farming. It, it's, it still is, although we farm about 10, 15 little farms. We are probably the last family-owned and totally operated farm in Point Township. There's no dairy farms because we sold the cows five years ago and um, actually bought a chicken farm. Snyder's still farm, but they do farm outside the township, and there there just aren't many left, which is kind of a worryment. Of course, Furman still farms a lot of the ground and puts tomatoes and broccoli and, and string beans, and we kind of get involved in that, too, and work in partnership with Furman's to plant string beans, and, and uh, our grandson... Um, drives the tractor for the tomato picker and watches the irrigation pipes up at Chillisquawkee and when he's home from college, which he's home now, so it's um, great to have him home and to help out. Well, now, back in the day, of course, nowadays we have a lot of mechanization and uh, computerization is influencing sort of modern tractors, but tell me about farming when you first got into it. Now, that's only about 50 years ago, so... Yes. uh, But farming certainly evolves significantly every year. Yes. I had never milked a cow in my life. My dad was a school teacher, and um, I got thrown into it quickly because my husband worked at Wilson and then Thompson's, and I had to milk the cows by myself. <laughs> and we only had about 20, 20-some then, but my father-in-law got sick, and the neighbor, a couple of the men would come and help me milk. My husband would be home in the evening, but um, yeah, I can milk a cow by hand if I have to, but that's not the fun way. But we, we my husband bought a milk truck route with cans, and he hauled milk, and of course, by then, I was pretty much of an expert in, in milking, and it was back in the day when we had to par- carry the cans down, or the buckets down to the milk house and fill the cans, and we built a new barn in 1970, the year our daughter was born, and... Um, we had 60 cows then, and we slowly became our own best customer for the milk can route, so we sold it because <laughs> we didn't get paid and um, gradually built the herd up, and And our, our present puppy is named Daisy after my husband's first registered cow that he got when he was 12. Hmm. Okay. And all of our registered cows descended from Daisy, and... Um, we had one of the best herds in Pennsylvania, a cow that came in second in the state one time. And uh, I used to go around and, and talk about dairy farming and, and how much milk our cows would give. It's like 
hundred and we had a hundred and some pound herd average per cow a day. So you know that's a lot of Holy milk smokes. to carry around in your udder. You're you're hauling tanker yeah, trucks out yeah. of there full of milk oh, all the yeah. time. Oh yeah, yeah. The tankers come in every other day. Now you have a display that you'll have at the Second Street Community Center as it relates to Point Township barns and yes. more. What yes. will you have on display? I have pictures of the barns. I have some of them that have been torn down. I also have there was a historic and a historian in Point Township, Isaac Kaufman, who write wrote stories of all the barns. And the families that lived there and their ancestors and who lived on those farms. And I have those stories, too, to put with the barns so that if you live on that farm, you can read about the families that might have lived on your farm in the past. An additional comment about the 250th anniversary of Northumberland. Anything else you'd like to add? My son's old bedroom is now my history room, and, and I was spreading maps out, and I found it interesting. To, I came across a map I have of the the town plots and when they were laid out, and I can find our farm on because our farm goes back to the 1700s. It was wow. a different shape than it is now, but a friend of mine who's a surveyor, Francie Hummel, had given me several maps, and, and I find them so interesting. And, and some of those I'll have there, too, some of the maps from years ago. Well, I cannot wait. I am just so excited about this June 4th and 5th in Northumberland, and uh, some of the activities are from basically noon to 4 or 5 p.m. in the afternoon at the Second Street Community Center. There's going to be other historical walks and other activities. So go to Nori 250th Birthday Bash on Facebook, and they'll have all the latest information there. We'll put it on our website as well. But make sure you save June 4th and 5th. There's a lot of other things going on. But, uh, boy, this is going to be something that is going to be one of a, one of a kind to attend. Glenda, thank you so much for coming in. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. I had fun. <laughs> well, yeah, me too. I, well, I, I find this super fascinating. I'm a, I'm a happy Northumberland yeah. resident. Yeah. So. I'm fascinated with the little side uh, notes that I find, and it's like kind of quirky. <laughs> Glenda Strauss is from Point Township, a farmer, but a real fan of history and fortunately has a super memory that just doesn't quit. So we really appreciate her coming in. And again, uh, Nori 250th birthday bash has a lot of the information posted on Facebook.